everyone, and welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and along with my co-host, Chris Kay, we discuss and dissect our favorite music, heavy metal. So sit back, relax, pop open a cold one, and let the debate begin. Welcome back to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, with my co-host, Chris K. Each week, we discuss and dissect the hard rock and heavy metal bands we all know and love. Each week, we also discuss some bands and albums you may not know that you should definitely be listening to, as well as giving you our big four on various bands, albums, musicians, etc. This week on episode 13, we'll be discussing cover albums and songs. Bands covering songs by other artists has always been a thing, but since the start of the new millennium, tribute albums have exploded into a virtual day job for a lot of musicians. We'll take a look at some of Heavy Metal's bigger tributes and let you know what we think of them. Later in the episode, you wanted the best, you got the best. And since we're covering cover albums this week, we're doing our big four cover songs. And we've also got another What Should You Be Listening To? But before we begin, let's recap what we discussed last week on episode 12. Last week, we spoke about legacy bands, and are they nostalgia acts, or are they relevant? We talked about bands like Guns N' Roses, Testament, Overkill, Anthrax, Megadeth, Queensryche, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and Metallica. If you missed last week's episode or any of the previous ones, be sure to stream or download all our episodes from your favorite podcast platforms like Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. And we're also now on iHeartRadio Podcasts, so we're everywhere. And please don't forget to rate us or leave us a review. Chris, what was our big four last week? Last week we picked our big four recent albums from the last ten years by these legacy bands. If you want to check out our list, and you know you do, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, and let us know if you liked our picks or think you can do better. Let's start things off again this week with what should you be listening to. Kenneth, how about you start us off? Okay. And for two weeks in a row, I am actually prepared with why, what should everyone be listening to. <laughs> um, you, not enough that you called it the, the wrong name. But well, no, it's what should, be, what should you be listening to, but I think everybody should be listening to it. So what should you be listening to? Um, this week, I have chosen Stormtroopers of Death, S-O-D, as they're better known as, uh, with their album Speak English or Die. The album came out in... Uh, 1995 on August 30th, so almost 35 years ago. The band includes Scott Ian and Charlie Benante from Anthrax, Dan Lilker, former bassist for Anthrax, uh, who went on to form Nuclear Assault, and a person that was actually an Anthrax roadie at the time, Billy Milano, for vocals. The album is basically hailed as one of the most influential crossover albums of all time. Um, it contains songs like March of the S.O.D., Sergeant D in the S.O.D., Kill Yourself, Speak English or Die, United Forces, and what is being hailed as one of the first songs, if not the first song, to have a blast beat in it in the thrash scene, uh, Milk, is uh, is also on that album. So that that's the one thing I wanted to mention. That album... Uh, was considered by by many to have the first blast beats in in the metal genre. So Charlie Benante has always been considered to to be the first person to use blast beats in metal. Which interesting. Yeah. So so, I, and the reason why I picked it is uh, oddly enough because of the quarantine and everybody being stay you know being forced to stay at home. 
Um, Including us, we're it, actually doing this uh, remotely for the first time. If you can't tell by the way this this sounds, uh, so <laughs> we apologize if the sound is a little rough, but I think everyone will be able to get it. Uh, Scott Ian and Charlie Benante and Dan Lilker did a version of uh, March of the SOD on video, and they posted it on Instagram and, and YouTube and all that uh, this past week. So it was pretty cool. It got me thinking about the album, and I started listening to it, and it's... It is definitely, you know, there's a lot of comic relief in the album. There's a lot of tongue-in-cheek kind of stuff. There's a lot of offensive lyrics, a lot of offensive words and things. and It's done like that. But it was all done on purpose to make people think and to, to kind of get people just to laugh, to think how, how outrageous it was. It's, it's a really uh, a strange, sometimes it's a tough listen. But I must say, you got 21 songs in 28 minutes. It's only a half hour long, so I think you, I think most people can get over it pretty quickly. Chris, what do you got? Well, I was going to ask you. You're yeah. a big fan of um, SOD. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the deal with MOD? The uh, kind of it's the same singer, right? Billy Manano spinned off. He made MOD, which is Method of Destruction, and essentially he kind of took the same model, which was just having these really outrageous lyrics and just put it to his is not as thrashy but it, it's mm. it's it's metal it's like it's like almost like surfer metal it, it's a, there's a lot of uh i don't listen to him as much i listened to him a long time ago i have uh, have one of their albums but i never really got too deep into it because it was because this one was hardcore punk his was more like i guess california punk in crossover so with surfer and crossover with metal so they use the same image though like the same character i guess it was just because he couldn't he couldn't uh you know perform while anthrax was touring so he he just got a, approval to do that or oh well the, the the you talking about the sergeant d guy yeah i don't i don't know if he for method of destruction he didn't use the same exact guy but it's it's something similar in his particular case yeah it was it was like that i mean the band really was meant to be a one off because they had basically some leftover time in the studio, and they just said, "Let's not let's bang this out," and they came up with twenty-one stupid songs, you know, for the most part. Um, yeah. And they're not really stupid songs, but like you know, you have a three-second song called "Diamonds <laughs> and Rust," which is basically the main chord to the to the song "Diamonds and Rust." He goes "Diamonds and Rust," and that's the whole song, you know. And then he's got the the ballad to Jimi Hendrix which is a takeoff of something that sounds like a Hendrix song. And then he says, you're dead. And the song's over. So you get these really outrageous and small, short, short songs. But then they have other, you know, the, the main riff uh, to March of the SOD was the introduction to the Headbangers Ball for many years. Um, <clears throat> and they used a lot of, a couple of other songs from the album as part of the, the commercial breaks when they were going out to commercial. It's had its place in, in history, in metal history, but it's, you know, Billy wanted to do it more, and that's why he came up with Method of Destruction. Gotcha. Uh, just just so you maybe didn't even think about this, but uh, you just did a cover of Diamonds and Rust. <laughs> <laughs> do I, now, do I have to pay for that? It's only three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, my pick this week is, it's going to be from the lead singer of As I Lay Crying, Tim Lambesis, and that is uh, 
sorry, as I like crying is my joke name for as I like crying. <laughs> but um, so uh, it's going to be uh, an album. Well, I, I'd say an EP by a project he did before he he went to jail called Pyrithian. And it is one of the heaviest freaking things I've ever heard in my life. Well, I didn't, uh, the first it, I didn't even know he did that. What's that? I didn't even know he did that. Yeah, a lot of people don't, and that's why I'm talking about it. Um, okay. He, it, there's a, the first track is called The Invention of Hatred. And it, I mean, this, the whole thing is he says, am I, am I the invention of hatred or was hatred born in me? And it's just from there, like, just beats the crap out of you while you're listening to it. And it's it was mind blowing how awesome it is. I still love listening to it now, even though it's only three songs. Unfortunately, it got derailed because of his legal troubles, and I'm I'm sure you guys know about it. And if you don't, then I would I would look it up online. I kind of take the the view that you know when you go to jail, you you take your time, or you do your time, you get out, you're given a second chance, and hopefully he he uh stays on the straight and narrow and continues to make music for the the people that that really support him and love him yeah i i love that album um i wish there was more i would like for him to get back with the guys there he played with a, a lot of guys from uh Allegion and uh the famine which i'm not super familiar with either of those bands but uh if they get back together i'd love to hear more well, that's that's pretty interesting because i know the band as i lay dying when they when they basically quote unquote broke up when he went to jail, they made their own band called, if I'm not mistaken, it was Woven War. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if I think they made two releases, I know they got one, and I and I have it, and it's it, the the vocals. It was a little bit, I guess, more proggy than As I Lay Dying, because obviously As I Lay Dying is more of a metalcore act. But to me, it wasn't metalcore because the the vocals weren't like that. Or they weren't that that drastic, but uh, I thought it was yeah. pretty good stuff, and I was expecting more from it. But then you know, uh, it kind of I guess they got side railed, or maybe they had their own legal troubles. I don't know. But then when Tim got out of jail, they got back together. He basically yeah. apologized to the band sincerely, and then they got back together. So, and mm-hmm. off they went. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he does other side projects. He does um, what's the Terminator themed one? Austrian Death Machine, which has all Arnold Schwarzenegger themed music. <laughs> um, telling me I'll about probably that one. talk about that at some point later, but yeah, <laughs> they, he's done three albums that are all themed with Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, and they're freaking awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, well, why don't we get started on the main topic? All right, cool. Well, our main topic this week is cover albums and songs. The first one we're going to pick is a pretty good one. Uh, it's Ronnie James Dio's tribute album, or the tribute album to Ronnie James Dio called This Is Your Life. And there's the, the regular album that came out in the United States. It's got 14 tracks. I, I have to say, it's only because of the way the music industry is now, where there's not a lot of bands on a lot of labels, or be just because even, they, even though they're on all these different labels, there's a lot of... Um, agreements that are that they're okay to share or to to play on other albums because exposure nowadays is the main is the main key but there are a lot of good bands on this tribute album there are i really like this tribute album as a whole yeah i'm amazed at how many good they're all named people for what it is i mean you're talking about anthrax tenacious d adrenaline mob hailstorm 
Motorhead, Scorpions, Killswitch, Metallica. And, and you then, got Corey Taylor on there from Slipknot. Right, and you got Corey Taylor, you got Glenn Hughes, you got Rob Glenn Halford. Glenn Hughes, yeah. There are some b- pretty big names on this, and um, they really, I mean, I don't know if it was, well, I would say the motivation behind it was because their dear friend Ronnie James Dio passed away, you know. Yeah, and, and wouldn't, <clears throat> didn't his wife arrange a lot of this? Like, yes. get it, get it, not arrange like the music, but... And, no, know, she yeah, she got it all. She put it all together. Yeah, she's like the executive producer of it. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's there's a lot of a, a lot of stuff going on here with these bands, and it's it's really really cool. I mean, the Anthrax song is awesome. Tenacious D won a Grammy for their version of the Last in Line. It's amazing. Uh, I it made me want to hear Jack Black sing more serious. I would love to hear Jack Black do a cover album because it's so good. But what's so cool about that song is even as as much as they were paying tribute to Ronnie, they brought out their own sense of humor by putting a flute solo in, in, yeah. <laughs> in this song. But it and sounds so good. Uh, it, it fits so well. I mean, it, it, it's very similar to the actual um, guitar solo that went in there at the beginning, at least. But mm-hmm. it, it's just so funny. I mean, when I first heard it, I was like, this is this is genius. This is genius to have the flute solo in there. Who would have thought of that? And it worked. And that was that was what was awesome about it. I always thought it was funny that Adrenaline Mob does the mob rules. <laughs> you know, like I, I, like I, it like it's kind of patting themselves on the back while at the same time doing a tribute to Dio. You know, I never thought of that, but now that you I put two and two together, that that probably has a lot to do with it. Why they picked that song? <laughs> I mean, it's a great song, and somebody had to cover it. If if not them, then. And I know Tom Morello is a huge fan of that song in particular, and uh, I've just I've somehow never all this time heard him do a cover. So I would love to hear him do the cover if it doesn't already exist. Oh, uh, of of, uh, of Tom Marbles. Morello doing Marbles? That, yeah. that that would be pretty interesting because he's got such a a fantastic take on on cover songs. Yeah, um, and I've, I, he's talked about that one so many times. It's one of his favorite songs. So. Uh, I just, I just want to hear that. So, we were on number four, or track four was uh, Ra- uh, "Rainbow in the Dark." Yeah, "Rainbow in the Dark" is pretty Corey cool. Corey Taylor and he, he, I mean, Corey Taylor's a great friends. singer. Can't take anything away from him. I mean, the stuff he does with Stone Sour, when you can hear his regular voice, is 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 quite incredible. Um, and he's got some really cool players in in the the quote unquote band that recorded this. I mean, Roy Mayorga on drums and Satchel, or uh, yeah, Russ, Russ Parrish. Parrish. He doesn't like to go by I, that name. <laughs> no, but I love, I, I actually really like this version of the song. I love the guitar work specifically, but I, I'm a big fan of uh, Steel Panther too. Yeah, he's a... Uh, and, and the Fight album he appeared on. Yeah, the Fight album he was on, I mean, that, that, that's like a razor blade of, uh, of guitar playing on there. It's just so, so vicious sounding. Uh, Hailstorm, Straight Through the Heart. I don't have a lot to say about Hailstorm. They are very good at making cover albums. They've done three cover EPs as well. Um, they've done some really cool songs on those EPs. They did It's So Easy from Guns N' Roses. They've done, uh, I think, if I want to say they did Hell is for Children from Pat Benatar. Who um, hasn't? <laughs> well, at least I think Chil- Children of Bottom did one, too. Oh, yeah, I like that version, yeah. <laughs> Is that the Pat Benatar version? That's funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, so they're pretty good at, at doing covers as well. Um, so, and then, of course, our friends in Motorhead did Starstruck. 
And I believe that was done before uh, Lemmy died. So Lemmy just played bass on it while Bill Byford uh, yeah. from Saxon sang. Biff. Or, uh, Biff, Biff Byford. Bill. <laughs> Biff Byford. <laughs> I don't know why I called him Bill. <laughs> anyway, I mean, Motorhead did that song. That was pretty cool. I mean, a typical Motorhead version of a song. Scorpions doing Temple of the King is awesome. Yes, I I, I was going to say that too because I was like, you know, I, I I wasn't real familiar with that that song. I know it's a Rainbow song. That that era of Rainbow with Ronnie, I know the the the, the hits that he's done, but I didn't know a lot of the deeper tracks. And so that one's a it was it was really good. Scorpions did a great job on that. Uh, Doro with Egypt, the chains are on. I mean, it's pretty pretty decent. I mean. I like Doro. It's it's not one of my favorites on the album. It's it's all right. I don't dislike it. I don't. It, it's not one of those ones I like skip to. Right. Know, but. Now I like Kill Switch Engage's version of Holy Diver. I've heard that before, and that is a really cool uh, version. I mean, it's with the better singer from Kill Switch, uh, the Howard Howard Jones, I believe his name is. Yeah, Howard Jones. I, I like the way he sings. He's a he he, he sings very well. I like this version a lot. I don't know. The, the, something about the double bass in it just brings out a lot in that song. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Catch the Rainbow is cool because it's it's a lot of Dio's band members uh, playing. You got uh, Simon Wright, Craig Goldie, Rudy Sarzo, guys that played with him. Is, isn't and that the last band that, that was together for, for Dio? Weren't those guys? I don't know. Because I know Rudy, Rudy was his last bass player. I know Simon was his last drummer. I believe Scott and Craig were his last, you know, keyboard and, and guitar player. It might be. Um, In the, and it's a good version of the song, too, with, uh, I mean, Glenn Hughes is, is on point with that one. Oh, Glenn, Glenn Hughes, for everything that he's been through and as old as he is, his voice is still amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, he's a special, special person. Now, the song I, from Oni and Jimmy Bain and Rowan Robinson, some other uh, alumni from Dio. I'm not familiar with it that well. Um, the song doesn't really catch me overall, so uh, I'm not. That, that got, was the final lineup of uh, so that was Dio. Okay, yeah. So yeah. so they just added Glenn Hughes on vocals. Yep. So, so the Oni song, I again, it's not. I, I have nothing good or bad to say about it. I'm not. I'm just not familiar with it, and I'm not a fan of this particular it's, song. It's very good musicians, um, but yeah, it's not it's not a song that really sticks out to me. Yes, um, it seems like it's so deep a track; it was almost kind of like insignificant. Yeah, that's the man on the thing. silver mountain. Mountain though. Now that version, you know, I would have liked to it to be a little bit more upbeat, a little bit quicker. But Rob Halford, you know, he just does his vocals are just crazy good. Yeah, uh, it's somewhere in between. The, the Dio live version that's on... God, which album was it that they, they released that on? Was that the... Uh, was it... Uh, you talking about vinyl, the final vinyl from Rainbow? No, the, the, the live version from the Dio. Oh. Um, I don't know which one. I know, it was on, I know it was on the very beast of Dio, if you had that compilation. Uh-huh. I like that name. And then... Uh, but there's that version where it's very fast, very quick-paced, and mm-hmm. very heavy... And then the original version of Man on the Silver Mountain was on the first Rainbow album, and it's slow. Yeah, it and is. this was kind of somewhere in between those two as far as pace goes. And, but Rob's 
you know, voice is amazing. You got Vinny Apici or Ap Vinny Apici. Yes. Sorry, I'm thinking Carmine. Peachy, um, or Appet. No, Carmine. Peace. Carmine, Carmine is, is a piece. piece. His his the si actual their, name is Apici. Their sister uses the actual name. Apici. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, <laughs> you got um, you got Rob Halford, Vinny Apici, Jeff Pilson, Doug Aldrich on drums. Scott Warren again on keyboards. Scott, yeah, it's very good. So that's more alumni from uh, from, from Dio, except for Rob. Because Jeff played with him for a while, Vinny, and obviously was the first Dio drummer, and yeah. Doug, and Doug played some couple albums. So that's a, that's an awesome version. Now we get to Metallica. Now, of course, Metallica has always got to be different for whatever reason. Did I say Doug Aldrich on drums? I don't. I, I don't know why I said that. I don't know, but it would be Vinny on drums, Doug on guitar. Yeah, <laughs> on guitar. I don't. <laughs> an aneurysm there. Wake up. Anyway, Metallica. For, they always have to be different, you know. Even on their own cover album, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, they can't seem to pick one song. So they decided to choose four, and uh, I could, I, but I must say, they picked four really good songs, and they did a really killer version of it. I wish they could have just chosen one song and played it all the way through and done a killer version of that one song. But what they did by taking the highlights of these four songs and, and mashing them together. Was still pretty good. Can't take that away from it. It was it was a pretty good. I mean, it's not the greatest cover of those four songs, but it was it was very good in my opinion. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a lot of songs off of Rainbow Rising, mm -hmm. and it it which is my favorite Rainbow album. Um, so uh, there's no complaints there. It, I just I kind of feel the same way as you do. I'd love to hear like a full song to fruition, rather than you know just bits of you know. 10 minutes out of the, uh, out of the album, which really is uh, just a small chunk out of those those songs. Right, exactly. And then the album finishes with the Dio track, uh, This Is Your Life. I, it's, like I said, it's one of the better cover albums out there, and to have so many names on it, it's, in, it's incredible. I was amazed at, at all the names that are on this, because this, this is not your typical cover album where you have a few really big names and then you have a lot of minor names that happened to kiss in the, in the, in the 90s when they did their kiss my ass tribute um they had a lot they had a couple of big names but then everybody else was kind of like more modern rock i don't know it was weird if you think about it the the two names that are well actually the one name is probably least known would be tenacious d but if everybody knows jack black is in that band then they then it's not as unknown yeah. All right. So our next album that we're going to pick, as we mentioned, is is Metallica's Garage Incorporated. Now this we're going to do the whole thing. We're going to do no, no. We're just going to one and yeah. We're going to skip over. I mean, essentially, Garage Incorporated is a two CD or two or four LP album. CD two being all the old cover songs that they did throughout the years up until that point, and then disc one was a, basically a brand new cover album with new songs uh, that they had picked and, and lots of different artists. Everyone kind of knows what they did in the past, you know, with, with the 598 EP, Garage Days Re-Revisited. A lot of people understand, don't, didn't understand why I said Re-Revisited, and that was because the first Garage Days Revisited that they put out was the Am I Evil and Blitzkrieg B-Sides to the Creeping Death single. It was just a, a little tiny name at the bottom that says Garage Days Revisited. 
you know, it was kind of like a throwaway kind of nickname. And then when the 598 EP came out, they called it Garage Days Re-Revisited. So, and everyone, you know, knows about that. And, and so they basically put all the, the, the cover songs that they had done up to that point on disc two. And including the, um, the uh, what they called the Motorhead, which was the, the tribute to Lemmy on his, uh, was it his 50th or 60th birthday at the time? 50th birthday at the time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a nice party for him. That was pretty cool. And they all they all dressed up as they called themselves the Lemmys, and they all dressed up in in long hair. I think they all played bass. <laughs> J- James kind of looked like he did in 1991. Yeah, he did. <laughs> it was weird because he still had, he still put a wig on. <laughs> he was cosplaying himself. <laughs> um, anyway. All right. So I mean. We started off with the disc one, which was the newer right. material. The free speech is for the dumb by Discharge. It's kind of repetitive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that that was Discharge. Discharge, you know, they had some really cool riffs. They were a punk band, you know, for essentially. So free speech for the dumb said over and over and over and over again. It, it was, I mean, it's not a bad song. It's pretty cool. Well, what's cool about this album is that it's all of their inspiration as you know when when james and lars were younger before they started the band these are the albums they all sat down and said you know we want to be like these guys and so you can kind of hear all all of that with these musics er, you know musics with these songs (laughs) (laughs) um so you hear that the inspiration throughout the entire thing you hear little bits of what made Metallica Metallica. And so this is a lot different because it is, you know, it's not as vocal heavy as Metallica, you know, with their their lyrics. But what it is, is it has a lot of attack. Yeah, it has a lot of attack on the guitars, and it's exactly what they're known for, you know. So it's it's very, very guitar heavy. And, of course, second track, Diamond Head, which is one of their biggest influences that they've had. It just did another Diamond Head song because I think that's like the fourth Diamond Head, Diamond Head song that they've either recorded or played, that's publicly known. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and it, again, it's, el- it's electric. Yeah, it's electric. It's a very good version. Again. Okay. Well, I was going to mention with with um, Diamond Head. Okay. That they kind of made Diamond Head more popular by playing the songs, because nobody really knew who Diamond Head was. Absolutely. And so now they had they had a little bit of a resurgence because of you know them playing these these songs on specifically this album you know re-releasing the ones that they had already recorded and then this this song just kind of gave Diamond Head a little bit of a resurgence. You saw their albums on more shelves at that time than they probably had ever been. Yeah, and then that's that's uh, they for disappeared sure. again. Yeah, I mean, Diamond Head, uh, unfortunately, I think they, they couldn't get out of their own way. And I think there was a falling out between uh, the, the the two main guys, Sean Harris and Brian Tatler. Yeah. That being said, I mean, yeah, Metallica basically... The first album has some great songs. It's just, it takes a little bit of getting used to with the, the singing. Yeah, I mean, but again, that is the new wave of British heavy metal. I mean, that that was just the way it sounded. It was kind of... The vocals were ultra clean. There wasn't nothing gnarly about it. And then they had these... They're moaning. <laughs> that and, and... And on top of that, like, 
the way it was recorded, there is thin sounding. It just that that's the way the new wave of British heavy metal was. I mean, because the whole movement was almost like this big wave of demos. That's the way they all mm-hmm. sounded. And as each band slowly but surely got signed, those bands kind of went away from that sound because they actually now had the opportunity to do things the right way. I mean, every band. I mean, Iron Maiden changed. Uh, Def Leppard obviously went in a different direction. Zaxxon changed. Um, certain bands like Angel Witch didn't change. You know, they, they, stayed in, in, they stayed in that same vein only because their budgets didn't really grow much. They didn't get signed yeah. to big labels. You know, Venom uh, was part of that scene, but they, but they created their own path to the dark side. <laughs> well, that, that being said, I mean, that, I didn't think that album sounded bad. I mean, I used to listen to it a lot, especially in high school you, when I got the, my hands on it. The Diamond Head I mean, one? I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, it, I didn't think it sounded bad at all. I mean, it had, it had clean production for the most part. It just, it, you had a little bit of um, of the, the static sound behind I don't th- it. I don't think any of those albums sounded bad. They just weren't up to, like, major label production oh no 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 but they uh, for what they were Mm -hmm, exactly just and if you're able to go back and listen to that that one i I think it's a it's a really good idea because it's a huge indicator of where metallica was going to develop it it's a lot of good songs Uh, i mean to be honest i think the album had seven or eight songs on it and metallica have officially recorded i want to say four uh, I know for three. I mean, we talk about helpless, am I evil, and it's electric. Um, I don't think they ever. Oh no, they there was another song. They uh, did the prince. The prince, they? right? Yeah. So that's four. So that that's four official songs. Now, sucking my love was a song they used to play when they were doing the the clubs when they first started, but they never officially recorded that one. So that yeah, would. But you be, you can get your hands on it. Oh, like yeah, the yeah. Uh, the bootleg. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But f- you're talking about five songs from one band that they were playing consistently. Yeah. So it, it's pretty impressive that, you know, how much of an influence Diamond Head had on Metallica. And then we got uh, Sabra Cadabra, which is, um, it's, uh, it's, it is Sabra Cadabra, but it's got a little bit of a, a natural or a national acrobat in there um, where it breaks down to that song and then goes back to Sabra Cadabra to end it. So another medley Really? Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, that's you know what Metallica is becoming famous for when it comes to their covers, um, doing medleys. Uh, and it's, I mean, they did a, a pretty straightforward version of it. I mean, it's Metallica. Metallica versions of, of songs are always uh, incredible. They always sound good. I don't that's, know. If that, it could have been maybe a little heavier. my favorite Black Sabbath album from the Aussie era. Oh, um, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, is that the uh-huh. one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting p- choice uh, of songs. I mean, I would thought maybe Metallica could have done a heavier song, but nonetheless, it's still a pretty good version. But it's it what what it sticks out to me about this one is it's it's a very groovy song. The whole album's very groovy mm-hmm. for, yeah. for for Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, and um, and what what I mean it it shows it, it's an indicator of where you know where they were going to go at some point again. You know, the, the Metallica adapted a more groovy sound in the 90s, and this is definitely a, in the same vein. Right, exactly. You you hit the, 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 
nail on the head with, by talking about the groovy stuff because that that was their whole '90s, just having that that groove, being in the pocket, as they, they like to call it. Yeah. Moving on to the next song, uh, "Turn the Page" from Bob Seger. That's that's definitely a a James Hetfield influenced pick. He grew up listening to a lot of those that kind of classic rock stuff in the '70s, and that is a really good version a really good song in general but it's a really good version i love what they do because they take a part of the original song and it's now being done i don't think it i think it was on keyboards in the original but kirk plays it on guitar on this version he does a really good impersonation i guess if you could say uh, of on that on his guitar work it's just incredible on turn the page yeah, no, it's a, it's, I mean, it's not a heavy song. It's it's a a rock song, but it's again, you can you can take elements out of it and say, you know, this is the same kind of conceptual writing that that you know is used on songs like uh, wherever I may roam, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. The same right. kind of concept. They're telling a story. And that's probably what what's the inspiration here of why it's on the album. Yeah, and for for what it's worth, I mean, they they it's not a heavy song in general, but they kind of put a heaviness to it. It had that their version of the song has such an edge to it. And when you see the video, the video is about you know a, a woman who is basically a a club dancer, stripper, prostitute, uh, who's living with her daughter in the hotel room, and basically gets the crap beat out of her by one of her, her Johns. And it's, it's a very deep video. You know, it's, it, it has that edge that the whole album, the, uh, the whole song, the, the, the video and the song just has this edge to it. That's just kind of like it, 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 it rose the, um, I forgot what the word is, but it, it, it brought the song to another level, essentially, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, so the next song is uh, Die, Die, My Darling by the uh, Misfits. Another Misfits cover, the second one they've done. And it's a good, it's a good cover. I mean, it's it's a Misfits song. I mean, it's, it's not a lot to Misfits songs. <laughs> you know, I don't have a problem with the Misfits as far as you know, their songs are concerned. I don't know too much about the Misfits. So what I do know is all the stuff that's basically out there in public, Attitude, Green Hell, Last Caress, Die, 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 My Darling, and a couple of other songs there. I have a, I have more history with the Misfits, for sure. Um, but I, I, I really like this version. It's very heavy, and it's, you know, it's it kind of the more horror end of things. The Misfits, their lyrics are all shock value, and that's, that's kind of what's probably, as young men, they were probably inspired by that. Cliff Burton was a big fan of the, of the band. I mean, you, you could tell by that, you know, b- by the fact that he had that fiend tattoo on his shoulder, on his on his, on his arm. So it, they definitely had their place in Metallica's influences. It's a cool song. I like it. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, they opened up their Garage Incorporated shows in New York City with that song. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, back then, they did a, they did a whole concert in New York City. I don't know if they did several shows or not, but I know that one was an MTV show and they basically played this entire album and several other covers that they had done and that that was it there was no new no Metallica songs played at that show 
Mm, okay. That was pretty cool. Did they play the next one, Loverman? No. Thank God. <laughs> I'm not a fan of this song at all. Um, it, I, it, it had I, only come out a couple years before. Yeah, um, that's interesting. A later influence, and I guess it had a lot to do with where James's head was at in '90s, music-wise. Again, I, I'm I'm not big on Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I'm not putting them down. It's not my kind of music. Never has been. I knew people that used to like Nick Cave. It's not my thing. You know, the song, not my thing. James likes it. You know what? That that was James's way of sticking it to Lars and Kirk when uh, when he when they made him you know dress up all weird in front of uh, in, the, in the Load album. So, <laughs> I didn't know that. No, I'm I'm just I'm just thinking. That, oh, that I'm just thinking okay. that out loud, you know, because I I can't see Kirk and, and Lars being into the song, but I could be wrong because you know there are lots of different influences that Kirk has that you know might not necessarily be out there. So, but yeah. we move on to Merciful Fate, which is a medley of Merciful Fate songs. And I think you and I have a differing opinion on this song. I love this Good song. <laughs> I love this song. I love what they do with it. I love the sound of it. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's one of my favorite cover songs that Metallica has done. And it's a, it's a cover medley. Um, I hate to say it, but for the longest time, this is one of the reasons I didn't listen to King Diamond. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like the version that they played. It, it It's not like it's not heavy, and it's not... I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me. And for the longest time, I didn't listen to him. And now this last year, I started listening to, to Merciful Fate and King Diamond. And I'm like, damn, why... Why did I wait so long to start listening to them? No, and I, and it's understandable. I mean, it, it's it's not the same thing. Obviously, vocally, it's completely different. Completely different. Yeah, yeah but um, I mean, I I just like. I mean, I'm a Metallica fan. I'm not gonna. Uh, yeah, obviously, I'm not gonna deny that. And and it, it it's on my sleeve. I I, I like this version. It, there's not much that I can say to to, to or anyone can say to say I don't or I won't. It's a really cool version. I love the the songs that they chose. I think they chose the right songs off that first album because the some of the songs that they left off don't fit into this whole medley. So Yeah, and they did a quarter of the album. Yeah. I mean, cuz the album's only 40 minutes and the song's 11 minutes and 11 <laughs> seconds. So they did a whole quarter of the album in one medley. Yeah. So it's it's a cool. I mean, in my opinion, it's a cool one. You don't like it as much. And now, what is it that you don't like about it? Is it the vocals or the the riffing? I, you know, I, I just don't like the the reinterpretation of the of the music. I, and maybe it's just the whole mix. It's everything. That I just didn't like as much. And uh, it uh, I, it just didn't do anything for me. I I don't know a better way to put it than that. And I wish I had a better explanation, but I don't. Okay, I accept. <laughs> All right, so I have to say this: I, uh, on the video that I'm seeing, I saw so, uh, you have a, you have the Kiss poster on your wall, and everything is darkened up because it's it's nighttime while we're recording this. And I I just saw, like behind you moved your head, and I saw G I think it's Gene Simmons' face. Yeah, it's Gene Simmons, but I just barely saw it, and I see. Um, 
Ace's face, but it's so blurred out that it looked like like a dude was behind you with his hand. <laughs> it was kind of horrifying for a second. Yeah, yeah. I can I can see that because it's a it's a it's all black except for their their faces. Yeah, it's blurred out just a little bit, so it just it looked like someone was appearing behind. <laughs> anyway, anyhow, that's astronomy. Cool. Yeah, I don't know what to say. It's right up there with Loverman for me. <laughs> I I like astronomy. I I really like the version, and um, you know, I I. Not a huge Blue Oyster Cult fan, but they have a few songs I like, like Godzilla, and you know, that's about it. Don't fear the Reaper. <laughs> Don't fear the Reaper is a classic. I mean, everybody I, loves the, the other the song that was a big hit for them in the '80s. Um, Burning for you. I thought that was a pretty cool song. Burning for you was a cool song, um, but Astronomy. I I knew the song going into listening to it for the first time, and on Metallica's Garage Incorporated. But what I like is towards the end, uh, I mean, it's such a long buildup of a song. Yeah, it has a really cool riff at the end. And I, I, you know, again, it's one of those where you can you can get elements out of what they were inspired by by listening to the whole song. Maybe I'll give it another chance. I, I haven't heard that one since probably since I first bought the album. Um, it's so. a really long build-up. It does. It really doesn't get good until like the last two minutes. And that that might be why, because you know. Yeah. I mean, I like the whole thing, but like the awesomeness really I, comes I think, out in the last. I few think minutes. the one thing that modern day Iron Maiden has taught me is that you kind of have to let a song build, and it it could get better by the end. But sometimes, I mean, my you know the attention span was like, look. You're, you're four minutes into the shit. If it doesn't get any better, <laughs> I'm not listening to this song. <laughs> and, it, and you know, maybe I'm and scarred because you know M Night Shyamalan did did these movies where you know you're you're two hours into it, you got about ten minutes left, and you're like, hey, what, what's going on? What, what you know? Where's the point? You know? And <laughs> it never went anywhere. So he's done a few movies like that, and and sometimes the songs feel that way to me too. You know? Yeah. And, and so I will give this one another chance. And, and see how that goes. Yeah. So the next one is probably one of my favorites on the the first disc is Whiskey in the Jar. That's a cool a cool song. Uh and it's it's such a you know, it's such a different version than the way Thin Lizzy did it. Which it, I like their version too. I like Thin Lizzy's version a lot too. Um but it, it this one's a little bit more upbeat, a little bit quicker. And when I say upbeat, it's not just the tempo, but it's it's a little bit I don't know. Thin Lizzy's was a little sadder, I guess you could say, because you know these are traditional Irish songs or Irish drinking mm-hmm. songs, if you want to look at it that way. Um, yeah. So Metallica's was almost more like a like almost like a party song, uh, the way they they recorded theirs, and, it, and it's a pretty cool song. I, I like it. Um, they still do it to this day. They did it. Metallica's putting out Metallica Mondays right now, and so they played a version. The first, the first concert that they played on YouTube, it's called Metallica Mondays on YouTube, was from Slain Castle in Ireland, and they played Whiskey in the Jar as one of the cover songs that they play in concert. So that was pretty cool. Well, one thing about this song was it also made me, because I had only ever heard The Boys Are Back in Town, and it was so overplayed. It's a cool song, but it's it's on so many things. I think it was even on like Toy Story. And <laughs> um, That's the only Thin Lizzy I, song you had ever heard? 
at that point. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, you know, you kind of listen to what your parents listened to. They didn't right. really listen to Thin Lizzy or anything. But I, when when I heard this, I I got really into them. You know, I started listening to a lot of their material. It opened my eyes. So a lot of times, that's what's cool about these cover albums, is they make you take note and notice of other bands. Oh, definitely, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's you know, listening to the early Metallica songs. That's I mean, that's how I went and listened to Diamond Head and and to Budgie, mm-hmm. especially Budgie, because when you listen to Budgie and you and you go, oh wow, they're so different from what Metallica did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it is, uh, and they had such a different sense of humor. You 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 kind of like think to yourself, how did Metallica or anybody really listen to this at the time? But they were in the early seventies. They were a pretty heavy band, even mm-hmm. though vo- vocally Budgie didn't have heavy vocals. But the, the the music itself was real heavy. Getting back to the point, you got opened up to Thin Lizzy, which is cool. I like that. That's pretty neat. I'm not all right. So there's no oh, go on. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say ahead. that I. Um, I'm still not deep into Thin Lizzy, um, but uh, they're you know because of songs like Whiskey in a Jar and, and and other bands doing you know like Bon Jovi doing the Boys Are Back in Town. I did go back and listen to some stuff, but I I never still never got deeply into them just because I was more of a metalhead and I wasn't uh, at the time I wasn't expanding myself. But I I later learned how to expand myself when I started working in a record store. If if you want to get into them, one good one and and. I, I had a struggle not listing them on my live albums. I just didn't really... They, they're just not, not as heavy as some of the other ones, and they're not as... You know, I just like the other ones a little bit better. But uh, Live and Dangerous is a really good live album, and it has a good, you know, a smattering of all their good songs, their their hits, and would be a, a, a great starting point for anybody. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so there's two more songs on the first disc. That was Tuesday's Gone and uh, The More I See. One of the cool things about Tuesday's Gone is that Metallica brought in a lot of friends to play on this song. And the one that stands out to me the most is that they brought in John Popper from Blues Traveler to play on this song with them. So that that was cool. And I think they had some of the guys from Leonard Skinner play with them as well. They had Gary Rossington. Mm-hmm. But everybody else was from other bands. They had Pepper Keenan, uh, Les Claypool, Gary, or Gary, Jerry Cantrell, uh, Jim Martin. But I don't. I think the only person from uh, F- Leonard Skinner was Gary Rossington. Okay, I didn't. I didn't know who was who was from Leonard Skinner who came and played with them. I I hadn't seen the list of the players in a long time. Okay, but, but I knew that that um, there was someone from Leonard Skinner, and I knew Popper was on the song. I didn't know who who the other players was were. I knew that they had brought in a bunch of guys to play on that song. Yeah, I I only knew this song from uh, what was that movie with uh, Adam Sandler, where he was a golfer. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was at the beginning of the mo- the movie, and uh, I, that's where I knew the song from. I don't know what song. Not uh, not Billy Madison. Happy Gilmore. Oh, Happy there Gilmore. Okay. I was only I I had heard the Leonard Skinner version just kind of growing up it, it it would you know play on the radio, but I wasn't super familiar with it and I like I like their song their version of it it's a lot looser because they're just kind of jamming in the studio so it's not it's it's there's nothing bad about it not one of my favorites that's that's for sure <laughs> now the more I see is a pretty cool song 
but again it's one of those it's discharged so it's it's just a lot of chugging guitars <laughs> over and over but, again but what's kind of cool is it, is it a it's like a bookend exactly, the first the yes. album starts with with uh discharge free speech for the dumb and then ends with the more i see you know from they're from two different albums but by the same band and it's it's kind of a a good way to bookend it yes it was definitely uh, a a cool way to bookend the album well now that brings us to nativity in black volume one and volume two those are black sabbath tribute albums this is probably the next best collection of songs or artists let me say that it's, it's probably the next best collection of artists on a tribute album where again record companies allowed these artists to participate and so there was a lot of good participation on on these uh on these two albums a lot of big names especially in the in the heavy metal world whereas the ronnie james dio a lot of heavy metal ones but at the same time um there was a lot of you know his his you know two of the songs were with his bandmates um so this one i mean you're talking about biohazard white zombie megadeth sepultura cathedral Godsmack, Pantera, Soulfly. I mean, there's a lot of big names on these two albums. So let's go, let's do a breakdown of what we got here. First, Nativity in the Black starts off with Biohazard doing After Forever. And that, I got to tell you, that's pretty close to the original until it kind of starts doing a little bit of a, of almost like a rap. Yeah. To me, like when I heard it, I was like, this is all right. And then it, uh, it took a, kind of a sharp turn and almost turned me off the album <laughs> yeah you, you didn't know what to expect after i mean because it starts off exactly like the original you know and yeah then the, the first maybe you know 10 seconds and then you know when it goes into the the breakdown all of a sudden it's like you know it, it's if you know biohazard they're you know they're kind of like a new york hardcore metalcore rapish band it goes into that but it's not a bad version i mean when you listen to the original After Forever, obviously Ozzy's vocals are very different from the way Biohazard does them, but it's not a terrible version. But I can see how it could turn you off when you first get past that intro. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, Children of the Grave, which was uh, White Zombie, didn't do a lot more to salvage that for me either now, because... I know that's your favorite song, so you didn't like White Zombie's version? It's not that I didn't like it. It took a little bit of getting used to because it, it's you know it's it's Rob Zombie doing Children of the Grave. He's and White Zombie heavier, you know, more rock than Rob was later on in his career. But still, it's that kind of industrial kind of sound to it, and it I don't know, it just didn't. Eh. I know what you mean because that's not that's one of the songs I don't typically listen to when I when I listen to this album. Um, yeah. Basically, Children in the Grave and Supernaut from Thousand Homo DJs. I don't listen to those two very often. But un- unfortunately, sandwiched in between those two songs is a really cool version of Paranoid uh, from Megadeth. By Megadeth. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty cool I l- version. I like that one a lot. Yeah. I actually have it on a, a couple playlists. I have. It, and the other thing too that I like about that is that you know at the end there's a little bit of of levity I guess you can see because Nick doesn't Nick Menza doesn't stop playing <laughs> so he's yelling at Nick to stop <laughs> yeah. which is pretty cool I, I like that that was left in there 
Yeah, it was it was very cool. Because yeah, I mean, the, let's be honest, Paranoid is just a very repetitive riff. Right. Exactly. But it's so good that you don't care. Absolutely. It's a real simple song, but it's really cool. We already mentioned thousand thousand homo DJs with doing Supernaut. Not a lot to say about it. I'm not I'm not a big fan of that that version. So we can skip that if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think the only notable thing worth mentioning is that a thousand homo DJs was the guys from Ministry. Yeah, which is that, that's, weird. Yeah, I, obviously the name isn't very PC anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Iron Man, it's hard to judge because it's it's Aussie. Yeah, it's Ozzy singing it, um, Therapy. I mean, it's just basically Ozzy covering his own song. It's almost like, you know, any Ozzy Osbourne song or version that he does, you know, live. Uh, yeah. it's, it, I mean, Therapy does a good job with the music. It's, it, it's you know, and it's Ozzy singing. I mean, Ozzy does a couple of songs. He, he also the, later on does NIB with Primus. And again... Primus does a great job of the of the music, and Les Claypool playing that intro bass of, of basically at the beginning. It's super cool, but it's again Ozzy doing a version of his own song. It's almost kind of pointless. Why is Ozzy here? You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm here. I'm here because Sharon made me. <laughs> basically, she just drove him up, kicked him out of the car, and said, "Here, go record." Yeah. Um, Lord of this world from. Corrosion of Conformity. What do you think of that version? Uh, I can take it or leave it. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those where it's like, all right, you know, the Corrosion of Conformity being one of the lesser names, I guess you could say on this on this album. I mean, it's an okay version. I have nothing to write home about. The one I would write home about is the next version, Sepultura: Symptom of the Universe. That is one killer version of that song. There's it's really, yeah, it's back when uh, Max was still in the band. Max it's was very the heavy. I, I, I mean, like the way they, they kind of change up the drum uh, rhythm a couple times throughout the song. It's really, really cool. You know, Max, in the way he sings, is, is, it takes him getting used to. It's a different cup of tea. But the version of that song is so good. And then at the end, they, they end it very similar to the way the original ends which is you know a, a little acoustic guitar outro and it's really really cool um so i mean the, the the playing on that song is 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 awesome i'm interested to hear what you think of the next one because i know that's your favorite the wizard uh, black sabbath album i mean black sabbath song bullring brummies that version of the wizard is amazing to me i love that version um to the to the point where there's parts of the song that I hear in my head that come from this version as opposed to the original. Um, Rob really? Halford, yes. I, I like it. I, just, I don't even know who Bullring Brummies okay, so is. Rob Halford on vocals, Geezer uh, on bass, and Bill Ward on drums. Okay. And then so it has Wino on guitar, where he's a guitar player for Vitus and Obsessed. I'm, I'm, there's some association, I thought, with Motorhead, but I could be wrong. Uh, and then the the fight guitar player that took over for Russ Parrish, Brian Tills, was a, the other guitar player on the song. Okay, interesting. So according to this, this cover of The Wizard is the only official recording by the band. <laughs> and it's well, that explains why it sounds so awesome, because 
you know, it's it's Bill Ward and it's Geezer Butler. Half of Black Sabbath. Yeah. But unlike Ozzy doing his own song, because Ozzy's the singer, it's so recognizable. You don't you can't tell that Geezer and Bill are are playing on the album. Because no. I I, just, I seriously think that Bill does a better job on this version of the song than he does on the original. Well, he had been playing for some amount of time since uh, 1970s. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a, to me, it's a it's a killer version. I mean, I love it. All right, I so can I can talk all day about Sabbath? that song. <laughs> oh, sorry, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Stop talking. No, 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 it's okay. <laughs> Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. Um, oh yeah, it's Bruce Dickinson. Bruce I Dickinson. Mean, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I like that song a lot. Godspeed was a band at the time. It was like a new band. They had been around for a couple of years. I had actually have their first album. But Bruce basically came in to do vocals uh, with the band playing and does a killer version of Sabbath, Buddy Sabbath. You can't you can't go wrong with with Bruce Dickinson. You can't go wrong with Rob Halford. You know, so when they're singing your songs, you know it's going to be good. Uh, I mean, skunk works. <laughs> but he sang but really well. <laughs> it, it did. It just wasn't good. So. Uh, Ugly Kid Joe does uh, NIB. Yeah, what it's not think? it's not a bad version of NIB. Um, if I'm not, uh, Ugly Kid Joe had done War Pigs on one of their uh, As Ugly as They Want to Be album. Um, so they're big fans of Black Sabbath. Their version of NIB is pretty standard. They didn't do basically at the beginning um, like Primus did, but it is it's a pretty standard version. It's not you know. Nothing That's one of the reasons I don't really like this version that much because I feel like you kind of have to do both. Oh, you mean play basically? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like hearing Electric Eye without the the Hellion before it. It just doesn't it doesn't sound right. Right. You I, got you kind of have to have it. I guess I get what you're saying. All right, so Faith No More does uh, War Pigs. It's a Wait, live version. It's a live version. It was something that was like previously released. So it's it's um, they had done War Pigs before. It's a, it's an you know it's standard version. Um, yeah. His vocals are always pretty spot on. He's got that similar register to Ozzy, so there's a lot of similarities there. I don't see anything special about the song. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it kind of feels the same way. It's nothing bad about it, but nothing special about it. But I will say... So, oh, no, go on. Sorry. So, uh, were you going to say something more about War Pigs? Mm-mm. No. Okay. So, what do you think of uh, Peter Steele and the Typo Negatives version of Black Sabbath? It's the scariest song on the face of the planet. <laughs> that that song, his version will scare the living shit out of you. That That's what it, I can say. It's, it's, it's an excellent interesting. version. I think it's an excellent version. But it is one version that you really it is going to scare the bejesus out of you because if the song was scary to begin with which i always thought you know as a kid it was one of those creepy songs this song is even creepier or this version is even creepier just because of his of peter's low tone and just the the whole slowness of it it's it's very evil sounding and i i love it I mean, for for the fact that I don't like the song, this version is really good. I I don't like it as much, but I mean it's cool. Uh, I wouldn't 
go out of my way to listen to it myself, but <laughs> I, I I like it well enough. Yeah, it's it's a scary version. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. By this point in listening to this, and I've only listened to this compilation a few times, uh, I usually just kind of pick the songs out of compilations after listening to it a few times that I really like. By this point that I listen to it, I I don't really remember the last few, you know. No, uh, I, I I totally get what you're saying. Now, you, if you're talking about the, the the ones that are coming after Black Sabbath, the original album stops at song twelve. So okay. the, the cathedral That's maybe why version. I don't remember. Yeah, the cathedral versions actually came out on singles and and um, promo releases. I heard them. They're okay. They're not you know they're typical kind of hard. You know, Cathedral was was on the brink of almost like melodic death metal. You know. Okay. So I I didn't really get into their their versions. I actually have them uh, on a CD somewhere, but I never really got into them. So I, I there's not much I can talk about them. But when you go to the second disc, Volume Two, Godsmack's version of Sweet Leaf is excellent. See I, this one? I had the first one. Back in the day, mm-hmm. I had Nativity in Black. When I saw the lineup of Nativity in Black 2, I wasn't as thrilled because there's not a lot of bands that I really related to. I mean, I, I saw names like Busta Rhymes and System of Down, Static X, and I was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, it appealed <laughs> to the Yeah, it appealed to the new metal crowd that was out there. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, Godsmack's version of Sweet Leaf is excellent. Godsmack can turn a song pretty heavy. I love the way they, they, they did this version. You know, Machine Head doing Hole in the Sky, pretty standard version um, with, you know, rough vocals. I don't see anything special about it, but it's a cool version. Static X doing Behind the Wall of Sleep. It's, you know, if you know Static X and you, you know, how industrial sounding they were, they were kind of, they were cool because as industrial as they tried to be, they didn't come across as industrial, say, as a ministry or a thousand homo DJs did, but they they had that same sound that was on Wisconsin Death Trip. So it was a pretty cool version. Uh, Megadeth doing Never Say Die. I think it's a live version. I like that version, though. It's, and it's, it's, and it's cool. a cool version. And a very interesting choice of songs for, for Megadeth to play. Um, again, similar how we thought it was an interesting way to for Ozzy to do that song, even though he had, wasn't really... It, too deeply involved with the making of that album, you know, for Megadeth to do it, it was it was pretty cool. And like I said, it's a, it's a live version, so it's pretty cool. I mean, it's a it's a great song, and it's the obviously the best song on that album, right? Um, on the Never Say Die, meaning album. Never Say Die, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so Snowblind, Snowblind. I love this version of Snowblind. I mean, I'm a fan of System of a Down. They're so unique and so different. A lot of that has to do with their Armenian heritage. It is a really cool version. It's a lot faster than the original version of Snowline, and they do a, uh, their breakdown at the end is very heavy. I like it a lot, um, but it, it takes some getting used to because it's such a quick-paced song. Electric Funeral from Pantera. Really cool version. I mean, there's not much you can say. Pantera makes just about everything cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a great version. It's a great version. Um, very similar. Now, similar in greatness the the version that they did of Planet Caravan on their Far Beyond Driven album is so haunting. It's a really, really cool version. I like that version a lot. 
I don't listen to it a lot, but I like it a lot. Kind of weird to say it that way, but <laughs> it's a very cool version. And, you know, everything that Pantera does, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's always good. So Primus with Ozzy doing NIB. Les Claypool doing basically is pretty much the highlight of this album. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, he he's so, so skilled at the bass. And the way he plays basically and just the, the extra things he puts into it is so cool. I mean, it, it does it doesn't he doesn't do it funky like he does his regular Primus stuff. But he does such a really cool job on it. I, I like it. And then after that, it pretty much becomes standard fare for NIB with Ozzy singing on it. So, yeah, you know, Hand of Doom from Slayer. Uh, again, Slayer, you know, Slayer knows how to how to do covers, but it Hand of Doom is, you know, I I don't know, not the the greatest Black Sabbath song of all time. No, but it fits with Slayer, and that's what I like about it. Right. It's 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 a very Slayer song. Exactly. So, so. they they picked the right song for them. Yep. Um, Soulfly doing Under the Sun. Interesting. I think choice. it's kind of funny that Soulfly is on the second one because six years later, and Max had moved from Sepultura, right, which appeared on the first one. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, ironic, I guess you could say. But I mean, their version of Under the Sun. I haven't listened to it in such a long time. I don't really remember it. So that tells you that it doesn't really stand out for me. <laughs> um, I, I don't feel like the rest of the the thing, <laughs> the album really stands up. No, not at all. stands um, out to me except for the Iron Man by Busta Rhymes because, ugh. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, the rest of the album doesn't do a lot. I mean, uh, Head P, again, it was, it was, you're talking about new metal, Sabracadabra, I mean, you compare that to the to the Metallica version. There's no there's no comparison. Iron Man with Buster Rhymes. It's not a it's not a cool version. I'm not a fan. And somehow Ozzy stuck himself in there. It's almost like the Post Malone crap that he's doing now. And I hate God doing Cornucopia. It's, you know, again, just a, a band that never really got that far in you know that deep into the scene. But they they're on this album. So yeah. overall, again, it's a great collection of bands. Um, they pick a lot of good songs, but their versions are not necessarily awesome. Some of them are great. I mean, to me, the highlight of the second album is Godsmack, the the Static X, uh, excuse me, the Godsmack, the System of a Down, and the uh, Pantera and Primus songs. On the first album, the standout tracks, Megadeth doing Paranoid. The uh, corrosion, of, not excuse me, the sepultura, a symptom of the universe, and bullring bull brummies with the wizard, and Bruce's version of Black uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath is pretty incredible too. If you're a Black Sabbath fan and you like any of these bands, you're gonna like these songs and these versions. Don't get us wrong when it, when it comes to that, but these are there's there's some throwaways in there. Put it that way. Uh, yeah, I think you could probably make one really good cover album out of the two. Yeah, for sure. It definitely uh, can make one good album out of the two together. All right, so there's a, there's one cover album I really wanted to mention, and I, I'll go over it pretty briefly, but uh, it's Children of Bottoms, uh, Skeletons in the Closet. Okay, And cool. what's so cool about it is it's not your typical cover album. It's got 
everything on there. It's got Creedence Clearwater Revival. It's got <laughs> Pat Benatar, Andrew WK, Kenny Rogers, Alice Cooper. Kenny Rogers. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's got a variety of cover oh, songs on here, including Britney Spears. But what they they managed to do, like the song um, that that they cover from Britney Spears, which is "Oops, I Did It Again," has an awesome guitar solo. I mean, awesome. I gotta tell you, you know, look. I mean, I've heard a couple of these versions of these songs, and they're really cool. I like them a lot. You talk about a band with a sense of humor, and they don't take themselves super seriously. I like that. You know, uh, I like a band who can sit there and not take themselves ultra seriously. In in the end, you're out there entertaining fans. Okay, like you know. You hear all these 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 things about when Slayer played. You weren't they weren't allowed to smile on stage because they're Slayer, you know. <laughs> that went out the window in the, last, the last few tours. But a band like Children of Bottom, who plays you know melodic death metal, and it, it's so intense, and and they play such you know fierce music, and just to have this kind of sense of humor is is awesome. I, I love it. Well, they play they play um, looking out my back door. And what's so fun about it is it it's it's look it's the same song. It's not it's not like they just took it and made it heavy and serious and it's it's still an old country rock song. <laughs> I mean, and it's so funny to hear that version. But then you have other other songs like a lot of this is a compilation of the uh, the singles they put out over the years. You've got somebody put something in my drink, which I think was on. Hate Crew Death Roll, which was their fourth album. And then they've got Silent Scream, which I had heard years before on one of the singles. Hellion, which is a, a great cover of uh, from Wasp. Aces High. All these were released you know, over the years. So you've got a, a, a compilation of these kind of heavier songs, which all inspired them. I mean, back in the day when you looked at their website, I'm talking 97, 98, they they didn't make any qualms about who inspired them. You know, it, it, it they didn't just have you know Slayer and and Wasp and you know all these these heavier bands from the time. They put everybody on there that they they felt like inspired them. I remember the Beatles were on somebody's list, and you know, so so when you got like She Is Beautiful is a heavier version of of an Andrew WK song, which it's just all party rock, you know. And uh, you've got Bed of Nails from Alice Cooper, which is a great version of that song. I really like it. you got King Diamond. So, I mean, if you want a fun, a really fun cover album to listen to, enjoy on a, on a road trip or something, check this one out for sure. No, absolutely. I mean, I like their version of Aces High that they did on here. It's, uh, to almost say it's a little quicker than the original is, is hard because the, the original was a pretty fast version. But yeah. this is this is a, a tad quicker. Uh, I like the version of Rebel Yell. It's pretty cool. Oh, I love Rebel Yell. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good cover. I mean, to pick a song like Talk Dirty to Me from Poison, it, it, it just tells you about the fact that they just don't take themselves seriously. And it's really it's a really good version. They, I mean, the they playing do is top they notch. Because the, the playing itself is really good. Exactly. I mean, they, they add, like I said, they added an amazing guitar solo to Oops, I Did It Again. Let me repeat that. They added an amazing <laughs> guitar solo to Oops, I Did It Again. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, 
who who how can you not enjoy something like that i mean that's yeah. it that's what's really cool about it okay um we're at a point so we've we finished discussing albums um but we are going to mention a few other titles um uh, but we're also going to mention something else uh there's a couple bands now we all know that metallica has made you know has got a history of doing cover songs and they basically made the careers of some of these other bands that they've covered you know like diamond head they really helped their career i mean the guy gets paid still because of metallica but two bands iron maiden and anthrax have really done a great job at covering songs and basically showing their influences and expanding the minds of of their listeners iron maiden have done about 20 or so cover songs and anthrax is about 40 i mean it's it's incredible how much stuff they've done every good anthrax fan knows that they're big kiss fans they've they've recorded if i'm not mistaken four four or five four kiss songs over the years i mean it's the most of any other band that they've they've covered but they do really good versions of them like like metallica does really good versions of all their cover songs these are excellent versions and anthrax have made two songs that are cover versions basically a staple of their set got the time antisocial and an- antisocial and got the time those are like staples of their set it's almost they they've become anthrax songs so that's that's what's really cool about it but, I mean, they go back from their first album. They, they've been recording covers all the way through now. The first song they did was I'm 18. It was a killer version, you know. But no one knew who Anthrax was, so no one really knows who, you know, their, their version of, of I'm 18. But they come all the way down to now, and they do Carry On Your Wayward Son, the Kansas song. I mean, that, that, Which is pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I The only thing I don't like about it is it's too... It's almost note for note i think it's too much of the original in there that's fair you know even even with the keyboard playing i'm like i I, I thought it would have been better if they would have done something where they replaced the keyboards with the guitar so instead of you know they they could have had maybe scott play it or even you know john deny play the keyboard part i think would have made it a better version or maybe even a little bit heavier although it's a killer version can't take anything away from it but I think it would have been better without the keyboards. It's too it's too much like the original. But they do some killer songs over the years. I mean they've they've had um, they, they did they released anthems a few years back. They did TNT on there from ACDC, Jailbreak from Thin Lizzy. A couple of lighter songs. I was surprised by the Boston and Journey song on there. But Anthrax can make just about anything heavy. But it almost lends itself to how Carry On Your Wayward Son was done. It's very, very close to the original. And I think yeah. I think something that Anthrax had not done before this time was make songs that close to the original. Well, and I, I don't know some of these covers, um, but with the uh, the Journey song, the uh, Keep... Was it Keep On Running? Yeah, Keep On Running. Keep On Running. Um, was that with... Joey? Yeah, that's with Joey. I mean, that to me makes sense because Joey has such a journey-esque voice. Oh yeah, it makes it makes absolute sense. And it, but what's funny about it is no, it's, I, it's, I gotta listen to it's it. It's so it's so much like the original. It's yeah, like, eh, you know, when they did when they did Phantom Lord from Metallica, their version and that that was with Bush, you know, John Bush singing. It, their version is like 
just a hair quicker um, than Metallica's version. So it has this little edge of it because it just it's almost like chaotic, you know. Yeah. Um, they do an excellent version of Remember Tomorrow from Iron Maiden. Yeah, so, I've heard that one. That's pretty yeah, cool. that one's pretty cool. And then their their version of Dethroned Emperor from Celtic Frost. It's it's like, you know, they they tried to emulate. I think it was Scott singing it. Tried to emulate the distorted vocals. So you know, and the and the Kiss the the Kiss versions. That's what's cool about what they did. The, the versions that they did of the Kiss songs. It's they just played heavier versions of it. So they they kind of stayed true to the original, but it's, since they played it heavier, it sounds like an anthrax song like she the version that they did on that kiss my ass tribute album that version of she is awesome because it's technically quote-unquote the live version it has the little breakdown at the end that, that kiss does live that they don't do on the actual record on dress to kill so that that was a cool thing that anthrax threw in there and then over the years i mean they did a cover bring the noise uh from from public enemy yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that that one's cool. And then they brought in Chuck D to sing with them, so it was it was pretty cool. And then they, you know, like I said, they've they've made anti-social and got the got the time, you know, staples into their set. Speaking of Iron Maiden, you know, they did a, a, a Anthrax did a version of Remember Tomorrow. So did Metallica, by the way. And you can, if you want to go out there and compare <laughs> the two versions, they're pretty cool. Um, and again, Metallica did a version that made it their own. Iron Maiden basically started their career doing uh, cover songs. They actually it was weird. They recorded one song twice, one with Paul on vocals, and one with Bruce on vocals. And that's the song I've got the fire from Montrose. That's a great song. It, it is. It's a great song. So basically, what it was was it was a staple of their set because they only had they didn't have a, a a live album or excuse me they didn't have a, a full length album yet when just before Iron Maiden was released in 1980 so when they when they were doing headline sets they to extend their set you know now that they did have the 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 album I mean they only had 10 songs so they they had songs that would eventually show up on Killers plus they had cover songs and one of the covers they played was I've got the fire killer version that they do of it and then they properly released it in 1983 with Bruce on vocals and that is an excellent version studio finished it's proper it's everything you want out of a song and they do an amazing version of it um, and if you haven't listened to the Montrose their first album uh, do yourself a favor and and pick it up because the Sammy Hagar's first release it it is killer from beginning to end and it's just there's so many musicians that have been inspired by that first album oh yeah and, and iron maiden is one of them uh iron maiden i mean they've done two uh, mantra songs because later on in 1992 they went on to do space station number five uh, yeah. so, so they they're big Montrose fans they're big 70s classic rock fans as you can tell their their intro song to their concert is dr doctor from ufo which is a song that they covered in 1996. So it's kind of weird that they covered a song that inspired them so much because sometimes that's a little that, that's a little dangerous. I mean, that's a really, really close-to-home kind of cover, um, but they, they pulled it off pretty well. I mean, they, they, they were pretty standard to the song, so they didn't do anything to, to go out of their way to make it different. Yeah. But, you know, to, to see their influences, I mean, they put 
another one of their best covers they did was Cross-Eyed Mary from Jethro Tull. I mean, that's one of their, that's an amazing version. And, and to consider the, the Jethro Tull version is not anywhere near as heavy, that's a killer version. And, and then that's one of those songs where when I was young and they were, you, were, you were hearing about these B-sides that they were putting out, um, because before Metallica was putting out B-sides, Iron Maiden was putting out B-sides. And you're like, oh, you know, what's the next B-side going to be? Because they had done it from the beginning. They were just putting different songs, you know, whether they were different Iron Maiden songs that were not on the album or if they were live tracks that were not regular Iron Maiden songs or or cover songs. Iron Maiden was always putting out some sort of single and you always wanted to go to the record store to get that import to see what was the next song that that which is genius because it makes you buy a song you're already going to buy on the album right just to get one extra cool cover exactly Uh, and and that's fantastic yeah and back then you didn't know cds were going to take off the way they did and you didn't know that they were going to come up with a compilation album you didn't know how long these bands careers were going to be i mean no one knew that that iron maiden was going to be there 40 plus years later no nobody nobody knew that uh, so you know, to for for you as a kid, you're out there saying, "Hey, this is out. I'm going to get it now." You know, especially when it was one of those where you had to run into your, you know, to your record store to say, "Hey, what's what's next? What, you know, what's the next big release? You know, what's it, what what came in from England today?" You know, their version of "Cross Eyed Mary" is awesome. And over the years, I mean, they've done they did a Thin Lizzy song, "Massacre." Uh, they did "Communication Breakdown" from Led Zeppelin. Um, so they've done, you know, they've done a lot of really cool songs. So the one thing that we got to say about this is that for for every, anybody listening, you go out there, you know, Iron Maid's your favorite band. Go out there and listen to these cover songs. Go out there and listen to their influences because you're going to pick up some cool stuff. I mean, UFO is a great band. You know, Montrose, like you just said, their first album is incredible. Rock Candy, you know, is, is everyone's favorite, you know, drum track. You just... You just go out there and bang away at the drums. Pick, do yourself a favor and pick up some of these 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 cover versions. While you're out there, you'll you'll notice there's tons of bands that have actually full blown cover albums. You know, we just mentioned before Children of Bottom. You know, Metallica has their cover album. Hammerfall has an album called Masterpieces. Arch Enemy did a, an album called Covered in Blood, which is a collection of all their covers. Um, yeah, it was from last year, I think. Yeah, it was released last year. So, and then you've got you know, Hate Breed did did something similar. So they're they're more of a metalcore type of band. So they're going to have different influences, but you're going to hear where that their hardcore sound came from. But they, you know, they've got a Slayer cover in there. They've got a Metallica cover in there. So you know, they've got some really cool songs. Rage Against the Machine. They did that Renegades album. They they got some really cool covers on there. Bruce Springsteen what was the other, uh, you know, uh, Cypress Hill. I mean, they've got some really interesting... I mean, it may not be everyone's taste, but it's some really cool stuff. One band i got to mention that's just done some really interesting stuff is Six Feet Under. <laughs> they have uh, done, you know, four what they call Graveyard Classics. One of the ones that they did was Graveyard Classics 2. They did a full-blown tribute to ACDC and Back in Black. They, From front to back, they did Back in Black. If you're a Six Feet Under fan, it's a pretty cool thing. If you're not a Six Feet Under fan, it takes a lot of getting used to because the vocals are so different. 
but musicality-wise, it's pretty cool. Well, it's the original singer from Cannibal Corpse. Yes. And yeah. if you don't like Cannibal Corpse, it's <laughs> going to be tough it, to get into this. It's a tough listen, but I part of it I find humorous because it's so so growly and so deathy. But the other part said the musicianship is top notch. I mean, there's some good players on there. Yeah. So, um, so what I what I take from all this, I mean, for me, cover albums, what made them so great to me was it inspired me to get into a lot of bands. I mean, I went on a pilgrimage at one point to find all of the the albums that I could off of uh, Garage Inc. because I liked so many of those bands. You know, I was a big Metallica fan. They they were my gateway into a lot of other metal. I've grown to like some of those bands even more than than I like Metallica. Well, that's cool. And and it's the same for all these cover albums. I mean, uh, just learning who the, who the bands that you love and respect, who they were inspired by, is such a big deal uh, to to you know their sound to where they developed from. And so going and listening to those those roots of where they came from is is uh is a chance to to really gr- listen to some great music. Definitely, absolutely. Do yourself a favor and pick up some of these cover albums and listen to and 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 then go back and listen to those bands. That's, you know, exactly what Chris said. Do yourself a favor. All right, so that brings us to the big 4. We're going to do the big 4 cover songs. So after talking about all these covers, we're going to pick our favorite four of each of ours. So what do you got, Chris? All right, for number four, um, it's probably kind of surprising, but uh, uh, Bring the Noise by uh, Anthrax. Wow. You know, it's unfortunately, it's what started rap. (laughs) Rap rock? Rap metal. Yeah. I don't know if it, I don't know if it really completely started. I mean, Rage Against Machine came what a little bit after that and killed it. I love Rage Against the Machine, but a majority of rap rock stuff that came after it, I just can't really get into. It, it, it um, definitely was one of the first. I mean, obviously Aerosmith and Run DMC doing "Walk This Way" together was was that's a, a huge one. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one, but. Anthrax. I mean, you, when you think about, it, if you listen to the original version of Bring the Noise, they mention Anthrax in there. So there's always been that that connection between those two bands. Um, so that's yeah. that's the really cool thing about it. Um, that's a that's a pretty interesting choice. I never would have thought you would have picked that. Well, I I love that that version of the song, and I and I'm actually a fairly big fan of of Public Enemy. I like that era of rap before gangster rap really took off. And then whatever else has followed, I uh, just not a not a big fan of, especially mumble rap. I just <laughs> oh my god. But that era, I, I really enjoyed, and Chuck D just has such an, a, an amazing vocal quality, and not just his singing, but his his lyrics. Right. His lyrics are so strong, and it, it it's the same same stuff you get out of a lot of metal writers. Because they they just have this story to tell, and he makes no qualms about what what his point is. Even if if you don't agree with him, he just he's just such a strong writer. 
And so Bring the Noise was just a, a total hit for me. I remember years ago there was a, a Raw versus SmackDown game, and it, this song appeared on it. And then one of my characters that I, I made, this was his theme song. So, cool. um, yeah, heck yeah, number four. Number three, I'm going to pick Last in Line by Tenacious D. I I love that version. It's just such a good version of it. Uh, It's it's a a beautiful tribute to to Ronnie. And like I said before, when we were talking about it, I wanted to hear more Jack Black singing seriously from this. I I want him to release a full album of him playing metal songs. That'd be freaking fantastic. And he's a huge metal fan too. Oh yeah. So listen to that version because it it's no joke. Even though Tenacious D is a joke band. Yeah, like I said, there's there's that that fact that they put the flute solo in there was humor, but it, it works to perfection. But it's still played very beautifully. Oh yeah, for sure. Number two, lack of comprehension by uh, Obscura. That is originally a death song. Obscura was very inspired by death. I've, I've mentioned this story before one time, but uh, my friend and I went to go see uh, a show uh, in Houston of, of Obscura. What was so cool is we, we were sitting there talking to the lead guitarist and singer and, and main songwriter. Didn't even realize it was him for about 20 minutes. Until he, you know, he mentioned that, you know, after we asked him what he did with the band, he, he said, I'm, I'm the singer and, and guitarist. And uh, it was so funny because at, at one point, my friend George says, uh, you know, you you sound like what death would have been had Chuck continued living, you know, the evolution of that sound. And it, it just touched him. And you can hear that in this cover of uh, lack of comprehension i mean it, it's from their early days it's i believe it was on the first album the the re-release of the first album but but you just hear the love in there and for for a band that i love so much to hear somebody else playing their songs so so with so much care i just i have to put it towards the top of my list the only thing that beat it <laughs> was uh <laughs> was hellion by uh children of bottom and that's because it's on the third album, which is one of my favorites, which is Follow the Reaper. But I, for for a while, I didn't really even realize it was cover. And, and it fit kind of with the with the rest of the album. It was a little different. Uh, but once I once I realized it was a Wasp song, it really got me into Wasp. Um, I I had not listened to them until the early two thousands. I mean, it, I had a huge back catalog to go back and listen to, and I really got into them. But it was such a great cover. I mean, I, I probably listened to this a thousand times in high school. That's a good song. I like yeah. that song, Hellion. It's a, I think that's the first song on side two, if you have an, uh, an album or a record. Because the one, the one thing about that first Wasp album, it was so distinctive. And they even say it themselves, the first side, side A, sounds like American metal. A very American sounding. And then you flip it over and you go into side two side two sounds very european there's a distinct difference between side a and side b and that song i think starts off the side b and that's an excellent song yeah i really enjoyed that song i mean so much that it was just i think that cd was was in my cd player in the uh in the high school years 
for a long time because I just I just it it wasn't just a great album, but 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 it had such attitude mm-hmm. that fit with the band, and and it was it was what inspired Alexi. You know, his, right. he his nickname is Wild Child because of Wasp. Wasp that, is his favorite band, and when cool. you hear a musician playing a song by their favorite band, it can be dangerous because, like what you said before, you know it's maybe they won't do them justice yeah, and it sometimes goes it's in the wrong close direction. To home. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it definitely did them justice. Cool. So that's your that's your top four. Well, my big four. It's so it's so funny because you and I, um, you know, we're we're good friends and we we do this podcast and we talk about metal all the time. But we're so distinctively different. You're a lot more into things that I'm not into. I'm so much more mainstream than you are. But I like the fact that I can take what you tell me to listen to and listen to it, and I like it. It's not necessarily going to be my favorite. But it's something that I'm going to listen to and, and, and enjoy and, and make part of my playlist and stuff like that. So my list seems so much more different than yours. <laughs> <laughs> my number four is uh, Hair of the Dog from Guns N' Roses on the Spaghetti Incident. Now, okay, that song, I mean, that's one of those things where you just want to turn the radio up to 11 and crank that because the the... The drum beat on it, the guitar slash playing guitar, it's just such a cool groove to that song. And that's one of the things about the four songs that I got. They all have some sort of really cool groove. But I love that version of, of uh, Hair of the Dog by Guns N' Roses. Now, that was, uh, that was Nazareth, right? Yes, it was Nazareth did the original. That's so, so different sounding. <laughs> yeah. Just the way they they do. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Matt Sorum's using cow, you know, does a cowbell on there, and you know, Slash is you could just you know it's Slash and the way he plays guitar and stuff like that, and and Axel just does a killer version with the especially with the the high vocals that he does when he says you know son of a bitch, it's really cool version. Um, yeah, and, and Axel has that voice that kind of he can definitely hit that range of what uh, what was his name Dan. Oh, I have no clue who the singer for Nazareth is. <laughs> Dan Dan McCaffrey, Dan McCafferty, something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, something like that. Well, we'll okay. just we just butchered his name on there. <laughs> um, I apologize, Nazareth. <laughs> now, my number three is Pantera's "Cat Scratch Fever." Their cover. Oh, that's of, an awesome version. Their yeah. cover. Of, I didn't of think Ted, about that one. Yeah, the Ted Nugent song. That song is just the same as. as Hair of the dog, you just turn that up to eleven, you crank that, and it is it is awesome. And their version is pretty spot on, you know, including the drums. But because they're Pantera, it's so heavy, you know. And the vocals are different. Well, than, the vocals than, are a little uh, different, but you know, musically from beginning to end, it's it's virtually identical. But um, yeah. Well, what I mean is, Phil could sing it like Ted Nugent, but he he had already gone off and started singing in his very distinctive style that he's capable of singing in that same range, but he didn't do like a one-to-one copy, right. which makes it even better. 
Yeah, it's it's a killer version. I mean, I love it. I mean, every time I pull up the Pantera's Greatest Hits CD, that that song just goes right there, and I play it and crank it. Um, it's like I listen to you know when I'm when I'm driving and I listen to song, songs, you know, listen to the radio, my CD or not my CD. I don't even have a CD player in there. When I listen to my iPhone, and I have it at a certain level, that's my driving level. But certain songs will come on, and you just have to turn it up another 10 notches because you just want to blow your ears out and you say if i'm going to go deaf i'm going to go deaf to listening to something really good and this is one of those <laughs> songs <laughs> uh, all right so number two is cross-eyed mary from iron maiden doing the jethro tull song again uh, okay. at the time you know 1983 that comes out you know as the b-side to the trooper just the drums on it just the overall playing from all five guys is it's awesome. Bruce does an incredible version singing it. Again, it's different than the original, but at, at the same time, it stays true to the original. I guess you could say arrangement to that to that effect. So it's it's pretty cool. I I love the song. It's one of my favorite, almost one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs in terms. You know, if I'm listening to Iron Maiden, it's got to be in that playlist. So number one, and again, I'm sorry. Four, three, two. They all groove. They all have some sort of groove. And we're going to go to another song that has a groove. Number one, Am I Evil from Metallica doing a Diamond Head song. No one knew who Diamond Head was. Metallica would play this song. Everyone thinks it was, everyone thought it was a Metallica song. But it's a Diamond Head song. This is a really cool version. I don't like the way Metallica does their versions of that song now. But this version, the way it's recorded, is excellent. There's my, my big four cover songs. All right. There you go. Chris, that's the end of the show. Take us out. Let them know where they can hear us. All right. Well, that's it for the big four, and that also means that's it for Debating Metal. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you consume your metal podcasts. If you enjoyed our show and agreed with our opinions or just want to rip us a new one, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can email us at debatingmetal at gmail.com. Be sure to check us out next week. We'll have an, uh, another awesome topic for you. And we'll also have another big four. On behalf of Kenneth Dean, I'm Chris K. We'll see you next week. Stay safe and see ya.